What's going on, everybody? And welcome to another episode of the State of the Nova Nation podcast presented by VU Hoops. I'm Emma Houghton. He's Pat Zhang. And as we discussed on Tuesday, this is a very special episode. Our first guest of the 2022-2023 season. We are joined by Chris Nataro, the founder of Nova Tip Time. Chris, we are so excited to have you on. Thank you so much for coming. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Emma and Pat. Thanks so much for having me on. Big fan, big fan of the program. I've been a big, big fan of VU Hoops going all the way back to my college days at at Villanova when I was at Nova from 05 to 09, which was kind of the the beginning days if I if I have my timing right for VU Hoops. So mm-hmm. been a been a big fan for a long time. I've only been doing tip time. This is my third season. And uh, you know, it's a big, it, it's very uh it, it's a big thing for me to, you know, be be mingling with uh, such established folks and brands in the Villanova content creator universe. So I'm so, so appreciative of you having me on. No, we, we feel the same way. Yeah. I was going to say we, we feel the same way. And first off, Eugene and Mike J are going to love that uh, the plug for, for view hoop. So thank you for that. Um, <laughs> and no, we're huge fans of yours. I love watching the, uh, the tip time pregame show to really bring us into, into every game. So we couldn't be happier to have you on. And most importantly, to a fellow Met fan. So that has to be stated before we go anywhere. I know. I, I, I told people, I was like, I promise Pat and I aren't going to turn this into a Mets podcast. But <laughs> We could, uh, but we won't. I promise. Well, you never know. If any free agency news breaks, there's no promises, right? <laughs> That's awesome. So we wanted to start. We obviously, hopefully everybody listened to the episode on Tuesday where Pat and I took you, took you through some of the action from over the weekend. Definitely take a listen to that if you haven't already. This is going to be looking ahead. We are certainly going to get Chris's thoughts as well. But Chris, first, we wanted to start it by talking about you a little bit. Why don't, for anybody who hasn't listened to Tip Time before, tell us a little bit about where that started. And you mentioned that you're in the third season of it. Yeah, thanks for asking, Emma. So I started building up a Tip Time during the pandemic season. It was kind of like, you know, stuck inside um, you know, my wife and I were actually expecting our first child. So we were like extra hunkered down, you know, towards that, that like fall of 2020 timeframe. And, um, you know, it was just something I had been noodling around for a while. I had, you know, uh, I graduated the same year as, uh, Chris and Rob from the full 40 mm-hmm. and was a big fan of what they were doing, you know, saw what you guys were doing. Um, again, big fan and, you know, knew that there were podcasts out there, but, but I think one of the biggest things that always grinded my gears about watch, you know, being a fan that watches every Nova game was especially for Fox Sports One games, there's never a pregame show. And it was always like an awkward jump in from some like NASCAR roundup show yep. or, or or like weird uh like alternative type vehicle racing, like some, just the weirdest like ESPN ate the Ocho kind of joke style <laughs> shows that go literally right into tip off. And it was just like, man, this is, this feels like it's a slam dunk that people would just want to hear somebody ramble about Nova for a couple minutes leading into tip off. And so I kind of started on this journey with that as the, the premise. And then, I, you know, somewhere along the way, I just kind of fell in love with doing it. Um, you know, I think it's a, it's a short program depending on the game, the time, the magnitude of the game. I'll do anywhere between 15 and 30 minutes usually. Um, and uh, yeah, again, just sort of fell in love with it, started doing it as a thing where, you know, the, that first season, there were some episodes where there were, you know, less than 10 views, right? So it was kind of a labor of love. And then it started to gain a little bit of of recognition, um, sort of aware awareness 
and and just you know the consistent good feedback of people saying keep doing it because there's still nothing really out there. There's no alternative to it. Um, and it's enabled me to sort of, uh, you know, become friends and friendly with all, so many Villanova content creators because it's, it was such a sort of a green space market for me. So, um, you know, that's uh, that's kind of that's kind of where we got here now. So now we're in season three and sort of like a seasoned veteran, but, you know, always looking for ways to improve. And, you know, just thinking back to the beginning of like, you know, basic production issues, like still still being things that are kind of intimidating to me. But we live and we learn and we press on. And it seems like, it seems like people are still enjoy, enjoying it. Although I know that we've had a rough couple of weeks. In the <laughs> so I'm, I'm, uh, I'm curious to see how that, that, uh, you know, that plays out as far as viewership for the next month or two, where before we get really into the meat of the season, I'm interested to see if, if people sort of stay locked in or start to tune out a little bit, but regardless, I'll be, uh, I'll, I'll be here doing my thing before games. Oh, yeah. We can appreciate that. Pat and I have talked about that a lot more recently about how spoiled we've been over the mm. past few years. Just a bit. Especially because our we graduated in 2020. We were doing our other podcast 2021, and then we started this podcast last year when they went to the Final Four. So we can yeah. we can definitely appreciate being pretty spoiled by how good Villanova has been. And we yeah, covered them for the, the radio. Yeah, exactly. We yeah. covered them for the radio at WXVU at Villanova while they won a national championship in 2018. Yeah. So it was... um. Hasn't been the worst run, I'll say, for, for us since we really started at least taking over coverage portions of it. Um, but I love what you're saying there, Chris, because you're so right. Like on the on the pregame coverage, it, it I was the same way where it always blew my mind that there was nothing. There's just nothing to, to lead into a game, especially there are big games, obviously, that Villanova would play in the Big East or a big out-of-conference opponent. And there would be no prep for it. It was just what you could find online and things like that. So I absolutely love that you kind of found that avenue. And I think it's so important for this Villanova community too. We know how hungry this community is for content, for quality content, which you absolutely put out. And so by being able to have that pregame show, I said, I talk it up because I really do love it. I, I watch it as often as I can. And you've done such an awesome job really building it from the ground up. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Uh, I think the, the thing that I'm most proud of myself for is the timing uh, you know, timing it to like tip off is, uh, has been a very difficult science, um, <laughs> especially when it's me solo. Sometimes I'll have a guest, but more often than not, it's me solo. And so, you know, the little, little game that I play with myself every, every episode is how, how close can I get this to tip off without running over? Um, and it's, it's become, uh, it's become a fun little game in my house. Maybe, uh, maybe something I can, you know, set up some of the, uh, some of my friends to start, you know, wagering on uh, how close I am. <laughs> I'd place a bet on it, but I love that final line about uh, finding your favorite beverage and your favorite seat. Uh, Cause I can promise you, I am always doing both of those as we head into <laughs> a game. <laughs> and, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm uh, uh, since I graduated from Nova, I've been living out in the Midwest. So I'm, I'm used to just kind of watching games by myself. So it didn't even occur to me to make the sign off, like, you know, get together with people in a public social setting and What's that? live life enjoyably. It's like, <laughs> no, no, I'm hunkered on my couch watching intently. I was going to say, we take it way too seriously too. Yeah. I can't do the social scene unless I'm checked out a little bit. I'm yeah, way too serious for that. Yeah. You'll never guess that I'm a bit of a psychopath when these games go on. So it's probably a good thing that I usually lock myself in my apartment. Um, but that's why I let myself go to games sometimes. <laughs> yeah. So Without, you know, giving away too much of future episodes, I'm curious because I do feel like you stick to 
your routine and your structure really well when you set these up. But tell us a little bit behind the curtain, what goes into your prep and how you mix things up so you can do something different every time. Yeah, that, that's a really great question. And I think that's been the hardest thing about the show for me is that it's not, you know, it's not something I'm able to just like flip on at, at, at airtime and like just go. Um, there is a lot of preparation that I put into it so that I'm not, you know, distracted or disjointed with the thoughts that I'm presenting, but also, you know, I'm not necessarily a natural when it comes to the the actual production work itself. So setting up, setting up the stream is easy enough, but setting up the different screens and the transitions, um, you know, even having the bottom banner with the right logo of the right opponent and, and home and away and all these little things, these little attention to detail things that just take time to get right. Um, so usually the night before the game, I'll do, it'll usually take me around 90 minutes of what I would call pre-production uh, work. And then I'll usually do about a 60 minute content sesh, content preparation sesh. And I have a pretty similar flow that I run through. So sort of a template agenda, if you will. And I, I you know, it's, I can always bank on the fact that I'm going to want to talk through our, our roster and kind of where guys are at and what, what kind of game they're coming off or what sort of stretch they're having over, over a few game trend um, introducing the opponent and sort of what I expect out of the game. And then I'll usually pick a segment along that's something that's kind of big on the, on the national stage, because I feel like Nova fans, especially the Nova fans that would be watching the Villanova pregame show are, are pretty knowledgeable basketball fans. Um, and so they're probably, you know, staying loosely in tune with what's going on around the Big East and around the top of the like the top 25. But I do like to just sort of mention some of the things that are kind of catching my eye on a nightly basis. So um, and then on game day, it's always fun, especially for like the week, the weeknight games, right, where I'm like blocking my work calendar at, you know, three or four o'clock. So I'm on central time. Uh, so it's an hour earlier for me <laughs> and then, you know, blocking my work calendar so that I have, you know, I can finish content prep and start pre-production, yada, yada, yada. And so I wasn't able to do that on Thanksgiving. I had fully prepped a show. And then last minute I had technical difficulties at um, yeah. the, the family house I was at and it didn't work. And it was just like, it was a perfect example of kind of why I go through those, those pregame steps to, to line up the show and, I'm feeling much more confident about it now, three years in than I did, than I did a couple of years ago. No, that's awesome. That, that leads me to the question I wanted to ask you too. And you kind of alluded to a part of it, but you know, how much experience did you have production wise before you started with this? Very little when it comes to the actual AV production uh, next to none. Um, In my professional life, I work in healthcare technology and I've started to get into much more of the marketing side speaking events, live events, and realized that I really had a passion for that. So when it comes to like public speaking, I've really been doing that my whole professional career and sort of intentionally trying to kind of build that skill. And I, and I do think that, you know, my passion project being Villanova Tip Time has only really strengthened a lot of those skills and those abilities. Um, but when it comes to the actual AV production work itself, I'm, uh, I'm still a, a, a total novice. Actually, you know, shout out to my good buddy, Joe, uh, a Villanova football alum and a graduate of my graduating year who, when I first got started, he was the one that really walked me through, you know, how to set up the screens, what software to use. He did a lot of the, the graphic creation and production in the beginning as well. And, and sort of taught me how to fish. So I didn't have to keep bugging him before every game. 
No, that's awesome. Cause I respect it so much on the video side. I'm someone that is very ingrained in audio and have been in audio editing for I think six years at this point. And I'm still terrified of all that it entails with video. Emma is very now familiar with video editing with uh, what she does professionally. I know you have plenty, obviously, to set up via like live events on video. So uh, both jealous and uh, very in awe of what you guys are able to do. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a little bit of a house of cards for me, right? Like I know just enough to be dangerous, but when things go wrong, it's like, Oh no! Like that old, Same that here. old, uh, yeah. that old scene from the movie Airplane, where the, the lights go out on the runway, and it's the dude like holding the the plug, like he unplugged the lights from the air, from the from the airstrip. Like that's that's kind of how I feel whenever whenever anything goes wrong. It's like, oh my god, what do I need to plug back in? Yeah, <laughs> the world that is falling. Works. So I know Pat will appreciate this question. Um, I was happy you said uh, about the public speaking and how that is a passion of yours because it certainly sounds like it. You can definitely tell. What is your experience going solo? Because there was a point last year where I was working the Olympics. Pat had to do, was it four weeks, three or four weeks stretch where Pat had to do mostly solo episodes? He didn't struggle. You wouldn't, you couldn't tell. But oh, it thanks. is, it is definitely harder to be solo and talking about all the prep you have to do. You can't go up there and just riff because you don't have yeah. anybody to talk ideas off of. So what's that been like for three years now too? It, I think it really comes down to the content prep and just make it like, I, I, I don't write a full teleprompter script, but it's pretty close. Mm -hmm. Um, I write a lot of cute, I write almost a full accounting of every point that I want to hit for the most part. And then I give myself some wiggle room to jump around. Like I was saying, you know, I've really, I'm really focused on the, you know, hitting sort of the, the time window that I want to hit for a given game. Um, but I definitely don't envy Pat for having to do it with a longer form content like a podcast because it's just, like you said, it's just it's really tough to 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 you're not playing off of anybody. I think for me, I like having guests on the show because I need I need to do less content prep and it can yeah. sort of flow a little bit more naturally. Um, but the only reason I don't like it is I have to spend more time on the AV prep and stressing out on the AV which I, I like way less than the content. So it's, so it's a, it's kind of a, it's kind of a, you know, a, a pick your battle thing for me there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Give or take totally seriously. And shout out to Eugene and Brendan Riley for coming on to help me on a couple episodes <laughs> too. Uh, when we, when we were going through that, but uh, I'm just thankful for all of you that listened when it was just, I, you were hearing uh, in that February. Can time. somebody find out when is Brendan Riley bringing back the, the quarter by quarter Twitter analysis? I know we need it. Right. <laughs> we'll we'll work on that we got to get it back he he jumped on uh the spaces that we had after oh, yeah. the first game he had been at the game and so i was like okay that's a fair excuse for not not pumping out the quarter tweets but then he had i don't think he's done one since and so i'm you know hey we're we're having a tough stretch i don't you know I don't know if you, you know, want to see it. So I don't maybe, maybe, maybe. <laughs> yeah, quarter by quarter at this point might be a little tough to read. Oh, boy, yeah. it's especially we've early. Had, we've had good fourth quarters, I think. We yeah, have. We could, no, we have. We can capture the way we've played in the fourth quarters in all of our games. I think we'd be in much better, much better shape. Yeah, the, those quarter stats are one of my favorite ones to uh, to look at. But speaking of that, do you want to move in Oklahoma? Let's do it. I think they can have a better quarter one <laughs> first though. This again, yeah. we don't want Chris to spoil everything he's going to say on tip time, but I think we would be remiss to talk about our thoughts for Oklahoma without hearing what you have to say 
Chris, generally about where the team is right now. Pat and I talked for about 52 minutes on Tuesday well, about what much. we think. <laughs> but go I know, ahead. And I, 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 list, I listen to the episodes. I want to try not to repeat too much of what you guys already talked about. Um, uh, the good news is this effectively is tip time for Oklahoma because I am going to be traveling on Saturday. So tip Perfect. time is off. I'll be back for the, uh, I think the Penn game is the Tuesday after that or Tuesday-ish. That'll be, so Oklahoma Oklahoma will be off, but I'll be back for Penn. And then I think I'm on for every game for the rest of December. I'm going to do a better job of posting a schedule um, just because it's, you know, I don't expect everyone to keep up with what my personal schedule is. Um, My hope is to try and get as um, um, uh, any games with, uh, you know, conflicts notwithstanding. I think most of my conflicts were, the games that this past weekend, the games we've already had. So long-winded way of saying this is this is a, a state of the Nova Nation pod, also sort of Villanova tip time ahead of the Oklahoma game because Let's I won't it. have a show. So um, <laughs> as far as the to your question of the state of the team right now, um, I was very much in the, like, the sky is not falling camp. Um, I was probably rattled for the first time against Portland. Um, although I was much of the mind that I think people were um, underestimating like the quality of opponent that Portland was, people were treating it like it was losing to, like it was a Delaware state, which is, which Portland is not, um, they played UNC tough. Yeah. They played UNC tough. There's a long season to go, but you saw a lot of chatter about them possibly being able to steal their conference bid this year. Like, so, so I'm, you know, it's not a, it's not a quality of opponent issue for me there with Portland, like it was for a lot of people. I think I also find myself saying after the Portland game, like we're not learning anything new because we know that this team is super shorthanded. Um, we're, we're just seeing this super shorthanded team trot out night after night with more lumps on their, on their face. And like that, that wears on you, especially when you're, you know, these are kids, these are young people that are away from home on Thanksgiving weekend, like having a tough time across the country. Yeah, I know we want them to be like perfect robots, but they're not. So we don't need to like overreact to every little thing that didn't really tell us anything new. It's just sort of a continuation of some of the more constructive things that we we know that the team needs to work on. Then I would say I was the the, or, the Oregon game is really I think what shook me hard because it, it, you know yeah it's a power conference opponent but I mean they were they had walk ons playing like real minutes um, the the it seemed like they were out hustling us which is at times which feels a little bad as a as a program that's built on mental toughness and and literal atti- the hashtag attitude right. Um, that that said, I still kept reminding myself, like, we're not learning anything new. We're le- we're just seeing what we've already seen. So, like, don't overreact. We are seven games in to a very long season there where everybody's putting a ton of stuff on tape to work on. We have to have faith in this coaching staff that they're going to be working on that. Oh, by the way, they're getting a McDonald's All-American back maybe for this game. Oh, by the way, Justin Moore is, you know, supposedly on track for, uh, you know, sometime around the turn of the calendar year. Like nobody's going to want to play that team in March with when they've taken these early season lumps. If they can tighten up some of the areas that have been pretty loose, if we can see a regression to the mean on shooting, 
and you add two superstars into the mix with the way Eric Dixon has been playing, I'm not writing this team off yet. And I think you'd be a fool too. Hmm. Yeah. A refreshing take. It, it is. It's, it's a, some nice positivity that we would love to to put in there. Cause yeah, listen, we, we don't have to rehash what we talked about uh, on the last one, but I think there are certainly, you know, the themes are pretty clear at this point for, for what this team has been struggling with and what's gone wrong with them. As you said, it's not anything new um, through those first seven games. Now the question is, okay, we know what's wrong. How are those things going to change? And in time, how much are they going to be aided by the addition of these two studs that we are firmly expecting to be back in the lineup within the next six weeks or so? As a Mets and a Jets fan, I like can't let myself get to that level of pessimism. <laughs> once I do, I'll just be huddled in the corner, sort of crying, yeah. and, uh, holding on to my favorite blanket. Right? But uh, <laughs> um, if you if we had had, let's put it this way, if we had had this conversation on Sunday night, it probably would have been there would have been way less positivity. But I think time heals all wounds, oh, and yeah. I think you you stack one or two or three wins back to back for this team. And I think that the sentiment is going to change. I point back, this is a very different team, very different time. But if you go back, check the receipts from after the Creighton loss last oh, December. Yeah. Oh, we remember. Baylor, smoked at Baylor on a Sunday in December. First Big East game, uh, I think, at Creighton on yep. the, the following Friday night, which I believe was the week before Christmas last year. I think you're And right. the sky was falling. Everybody was having an, a total breakdown. And that team made the final four. This is a very different team with a lot of different challenges than what we saw at that time against peak quality opponents. But I think it's all just important for me to remind myself sometimes, take a breath, take a step back and let's, let's let it play out on the field. Yeah. Honestly, the backlash after those two 20 point losses might've been worse than this. That was unbelievable. And I think it was just the style of losses. Maybe this time it's the, body of work opponents yeah body of work but that all being said I'm, I'm glad we we tested the temperature there pat and i felt the same way recording on a monday night even as opposed to a yeah, we had 24 sunday hours night. to cool off and we were still yeah. not thrilled so <laughs> no but i love that you use time heals all wounds because that's exactly how i wrote my open um for oklahoma as well time heals all wounds i say as a question mark maybe practice time can heal all wounds and that will be the goal for the cats heading into saturday at wells fargo the first game of the season at the wells fargo center with a full five days between games here for villanova to try and right the ship they are taking on the oklahoma sooners who sit at six and one the most recent matchup between these two programs a little bit of a famous game in villanova's lore april 2nd 2016 the game Buddy Heald and co were run off the court and still the largest margin of victory of any final four game to ever happen. Uh, Oklahoma this year sporting wins over Nebraska, Seton Hall and Ole Miss recently to win the ESPN events invitational in Orlando. Something that sticks out to me about this team when we're facing them the whole bit. You obviously hope the Villanova would be in a better position going into this game this feels like the last, no disrespect to the the big five, but the last true um, selection Sunday win. Like the it last is. true non-conference get right game. It's at home. Whitmore is potentially coming back. You have a lot of bad losses. This could really reset a lot of people's mindsets. You have the time factor playing in too. I almost pressed the panic button anyway, but it feels like this is the game that if they drop 
they have really, really serious issues. I'm still confident that they can win. So more so on that, Matt Norlander put this out for CBS, and I love Norlander. Norlander states if Villanova loses this game, he thinks Villanova is in real danger of missing the tournament come March. Now, I I can't go to that conclusion to exactly what Emma and Chris just talked about. Cam Whitmore and Justin Moore haven't played yet. I think this team's going to look very different when that happens. But to Emma's point, yeah, this is 100% the last out-of-conference opportunity to pick up a quality win. The Big 12, as we discussed on Tuesday, may just be the best conference in America right now if you look at the full body of work from top to bottom. And Oklahoma is a, a difficult team to grind it out. It's stylistically... They might match up okay with this Villanova team. This isn't a team that's going to try and run Nova out, out of the gym, which I think is a good sign based on how Nova's playing right now. But this is a really key opportunity for Nova to try and pick up that win, though. That said, it really is try and pick up this win because Oklahoma is a very solid team. And I'll be interested to see what the spread is for Saturday because this is not an easy game. True. I think one of the most important things is going to be cleaning up the really sloppy rebounding efforts we've been seeing. So like the, the thing that, I mean, draws everybody's attention and it should is like shooting is down and defense is bad. And when those two things happen at the same time, like you're going to have a bad time <laughs> like we've had over the last couple of weeks. Um, the, the thing that was like, the just, a, ugh, you know, I, I think it, I and everybody else in the world was tweeting things like how, how bad we missed Jermaine Samuels mm-hmm. in games like the ones we saw, particularly Sunday against Oregon, where it was like, we're just getting killed on the boards. I think we gave up some somewhere like just shy of 20 offensive rebounds, which is yep. just crazy. You can't, you can't win games when you shoot like crap and you give 20 second chance shots. You know what I mean? Um, so I think the, the good news about that is like, that is an effort. That is a hustle thing. Like that is something that is more, way more in your control than whether your shots fall to a degree. So I guess that's why I'm optimistic that, you know, it's going to be a tough test. Like Oklahoma has got some, some big boys mm-hmm. and they rebound well. So, th- but that's, that's an area where I think they might be able to emphasize a little bit in practice in the week, le- le- the week leading into it. Emma, something you said also really resonated with me is like the margin of error is shrinking. This is our last chance for a, you know, a quality non-conference win um, come tourney time. I agree. I agree with Pat. Like, I do think it's way too early to say like, oh, they're done. They can't make the tournament. It is realistic to say though, that their, their tournament building resume has been very, very weak slash non-existent. Um, and if you lose this game, your margin for error in the Big East, which was already very small because the Big East has a lot of parity this year. It's going to be a war. Uh, your margin for error was already small. It's down to nil. You basically have to be a top three team in the Big East in order to make the tournament if you're Nova. Um, but to be honest, I don't know that winning the Oklahoma game changes that fact all that much um, for Nova this year. So we'll see. Yeah. No, it's over. I- yeah. I say I'm I'm with you in that, especially for the Big East, where I think you're seeing Creighton and UConn kind of separating themselves right now. And I I still keep Xavier right around there. I will continue to talk up the Xavier team that I think once they hit their stride, they're going to be very tough. But after that, you know, Villanova is going to have to take care of business against some of the these other you know lesser teams in the Big East for this year. Um, and Chris, to your point on rebounding, I love it because that's a place that I wanted to go to. As you said, they've really struggled at stopping the offensive glass for other teams 
Well, Oklahoma does that really poorly. So that's something I want to watch to change here. Oklahoma is 347th in the country in offensive rebound rate. That is incredible. There's 363 ranked teams. So they're bottom 20 um, there. Villanova has to control the glass here more, especially on the defensive side. And they need to limit those second chance opportunities because when your offense is struggling, well, when you give other teams second and third chance opportunities, it makes that struggling offense look a hell of a lot worse. And, and I think here against Oklahoma, the personnel, though they are big, they just don't crash the boards as much on offense. They're more trying to get back on defense, which is a part of what makes yeah. them so tough and such a good defensive team. Uh, but it is a place that I expect to see improvement on Saturday. And I think the Cats need to improve on it on Saturday. Totally. I keep going back and forth, and I was doing this all week doing research. If Oklahoma and Villanova are cut from the same cloth or if they're actually perfect foils to each other <laughs> because there are parts that go both ways they're both going to try and control the game when it comes to pace they're both not great at creating second chance points like you just said the thing that to me is the key to this game as much of a cliche as it is I think this will win or lose the game for Villanova it's three-point defense and if you listen to Tuesday's episode you probably don't want to hear us talking about three-point defense anymore but we chronicled how bad Villanova's has been. Oklahoma is, I believe, top 20, top 40, let's say, in a, an opponent's three-point shooting. So that is something they harp on to the nth degree. And it's going. the onus is going to be on Villanova because they've always been the hunted when it comes to three-point shooting. How good is this defense going to be from Oklahoma and how is the Nova offense going to combat it? Yeah, I, I like that you went there too with Oklahoma's three-point offense because this is such an interesting way that they do things here. They shoot threes well. They shoot about 37% from deep uh, comparison. Nova's at 31% right now. But only 29% of their points come from three. So they're not taking the shot that much just when they do it it goes in. They, they're well over 50% coming from two. And if you look at it, a holistic approach, it's about, about a third of the time when Oklahoma shoots it, it's from deep. If you're looking for that comparison, Villanova, I kid you not, is sitting at 50% of their field goal attempts right now are from three. So it's an interesting attack where they're very efficient when they go into that three-point offense. Uh, Shurfield can, can certainly hurt you from out there as well. It hasn't been a focus for them. So I wonder with playing a team like Villanova that has most certainly struggled on the perimeter uh, defending wise for the three and a team that's been going to a two, three zone a little bit more too to try and mask some inefficiency or deficiencies. Does Oklahoma get a little bit more three point happy than what we've seen thus far from them? Chris, you can I think they're going to take what Nova gives them. Yeah, uh, I think they're going to take what Nova gives them and no, because Nova has been so bad at closing out on, th on three point shots that I would have to imagine that they're going to work that into their game plan, knowing that that's just one of the more extreme weaknesses of what this Nova team is. Nova team has put on tape so far. I agree. I, I think you're going to see Oklahoma around that three point line a lot, which is again, it's not how they've really played this year, but I really like Porter Moser. That's someone we haven't even really discussed yet. It's year two now of, of Moser at Oklahoma. I think he is one of the better coaches in the country coming over from Loyola, Chicago. I expect them to look to really exploit the cat. So I need to see some better perimeter defense, especially from the guards uh, at Villanova here on Saturday. The, the X factor is really, I mean, is like, and we're all going to be waiting with bated breath. I think until the lineup comes out six minutes before the game per Kyle Neptune's. <laughs> <Pretty> MO, <much. laughs> uh, but is, is, is Cam Whitmore going to be there? And are we going to have a scoring threat? 
an extra scoring threat because you have to figure Oklahoma's going to probably look to get Eric Dixon in foul trouble because that seems like the most obvious uh, recipe for a, a fairly easy win against this depleted Nova team. So if they trying to get Dixon in foul trouble, they're probably going to key in on on Caleb Daniels as the the next scoring threat. I know Emma, you've covered the the ground pretty well on on Brendan Slater's disappearing act over the the end of the Oregon game and how that might translate into how they run the offense. It's like Nova fans are definitely looking for a savior in another scoring threat, and it might not be fair to put that on a freshman who hasn't touched a ball at the collegiate level yet. Yeah. And who knows? We might Cam Whitmore might be available. He might not start. Mm-hmm. He might not be the savior or get savior's minutes right away. I would love. I would personally. I'm going to love it if we see him play 40 minutes on Saturday. <laughs> but um, I don't know. I, I. I. You just never know what's in store when it comes to uh, freshman playing time for this Villanova program, which has always been an issue under Coach Wright. Um, a little, you know, obviously more aggressiveness from Coach Neptune, but still seems to be seems to be tentative in some ways with some of the younger guys that's why pat and i have been so cautious about getting our expectations up too because you truly just don't know and this is also also an 18 year old kid coming in who has never played in the collegiate landscape before and i just want to mention this point about oklahoma too before it gets lost pat you mentioned masking deficiencies Oklahoma isn't a good offensive team, period. No, no they have They also been. just really don't score a lot of points. They hang their hat on defense. So they're going to be struggling, I think, just as much as Nova to put shots up. Maybe those scorers are more prevalent than Nova's are. They have Sherfield, they have the Grove brothers. But I think this is going to be a little bit of a rock fight. Both teams struggling to put points up on the board because Oklahoma is really strong defensively. Nova isn't super strong on either field, but you have to imagine that the emphasis will be on three-point defense, just knowing it's been such an obvious weakness in the last week. Uh, Emma, you you make me go back to it. I mentioned their wins. I did not mention their loss. And you their loss it. was opening night at home versus Sam Houston. Sam Houston yeah, exactly. Where they only scored 51 points um, against them. And, and offensively, you know, they've only crossed the, the 70 plateau twice. They've been in the fifties twice. They're usually in kind of that mid sixties type, uh, area. So no, as we said, this is not an offensive juggernaut, which does give Villanova, I think an opportunity to try and find themselves, uh, on defense a little bit more than, uh, than what we've seen thus far. Yeah. I'm trying to think if I had anything off. Oh, I did want to mention bench production too. They average about 20 points off the bench. Yep. So we, Pat, you and I have gone back and forth a lot about bench production in terms of bodies versus actually production and point totals. Oklahoma has that. That's a luxury for them, for sure. And it's an older team in general. So that's definitely a strength. Look at the three of us are really in sync today with uh with the <laughs> points. No, we are not for sure. But we are not averaging twenty points a game off the bench. Just oh, I talked about it on Tuesday. Brendan Housen was his fifteen matched the most Villanova's bench had that put was up a good in a game yeah. combined. Um, at, at that point, so no, we're definitely not averaging twenty points a game. But uh, to Emma's point there, uh, Oklahoma really switches guys out. Uh, only two guys on their roster average over thirty minutes. Per, per game here so there's a lot of substitutions there's a lot of switching um with oklahoma which i think in a sense also allows them to stay a little bit fresher which might be why they're such a solid defensive team so it's grant Sherfield and jalen hill are the ones you'll see out there the most compare that with villanova nova's basically at four 
uh, over 30 minutes with Chris Archidiakono just a shade under 30 at about, I think it's 29.7. Um, so a lot more substitution and a lot more impact from the Sooners than what we've seen from Villanova. Of course, the question being come Saturday, what do we see of Mark Armstrong? What do we see? Does Brendan Housen really carve out that rotational role that I think a lot of us would really like to see him? How do things shift if Cam Whitmore can suit up? And I'm not, I'm not ready to say he's going to play yet, but man, I hope he is. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, how does that affect kind of what we see off the bench there with minutes? So there are a lot of questions when it comes to the benches, though Oklahoma uh, certainly has the advantage. Yeah, Brendan Housen's an interesting one. Um, You loved what you saw from him on uh, on Sunday. You have to imagine he's earned himself, you know, five five, to ten shots in this game, no matter how many minutes he gets. Like, you know, he's he's got all this hype as like, you know, quote unquote, the best shooter. Um, you know, the, one of the best shooters that Nova's ever, ever brought in mm-hmm. as a young guy, that, that is, I think just total sort of hullabaloo until, until <laughs> that was a Neptune quote. Court. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but, uh, we saw it on display on Sunday and you have to imagine he earned himself more, the more of those minutes on, on, uh, on Saturday. This is a question for when it actually becomes true. And we're not just speculating because Justin and Cam are close. But I am very curious what this rotation is going to look like because all three of Brizzy, Armstrong, and Housen bring very tangible strengths that other guys don't have. So I'm here at this point. How could you not have Housen take those five shots? Yeah, you're going to have more offense with Justin and Cam, but three point shooting is still going to be a weakness when those guys come back. It it certainly will. Of the three, I'd like to see the most out of Armstrong and Housen. Uh, yeah. thus far, I think Brizzy has kind of struggled with some of his defensive assignments out there where he can sometimes lose a guy. That's part of where the offensive rebounding has been bad because guards have been able to crash against us and be able to get second chance points. And I think that's been a little prevalent while he's been out there as well. Uh, Armstrong just of course brings that ability to, to really create around the perimeter and use that quickness around the hoop. And I mean, as, as Tommy Godden says for, for VU hoops, he calls Brendan Housen the Amarillo assassin. Um, a, a real three-point shooter from deep, which is something Nova just it doesn't have too much of this year. So yeah. I, that's who I want to see if we're keying in on those three. Agreed. For sure. scrappy, it, it's, it's funny to talk about, Emma, what you said, like when, when you know, Cam and Justin are back, what does this rotation look like? Because you go from where is the scoring to how do we get everybody their touches? <laughs> right. Uh, that's a good problem. Uh, and that, yeah, I, I would, I would more than happy to have that problem versus the one we have now where, you know, we're, we're a little bit handcuffed on, on where the points are coming from right now. Yeah. I, and that I, actually, I take... that leads me into what you were talking about earlier, Pat, about Oklahoma doing shorter shifts. I'd love to see Villanova do shorter shifts and bring defensive intensity this time. What, what's, what are they losing at this point? Try and bring those three guys in, especially if Cam's on the floor, if they're going to pull out an Njoku or a Patterson like Neptune did over the weekend, it's an extra body and mm-hmm. you can throw out different schemes for a team that's already going to struggle on defense. I think why not? I, I think a big key of that is going to be Jordan Longino's health because I, I do think that's sure. a big question mark as we head into Saturday. It, it hasn't felt all the way right this year. And then on Sunday, we know he rolled the ankle 
Um, and of course, Villanova's Fort Knox when it comes to injury information. So I do not expect to know anything about Jordan Longino uh, until right around tip off as, uh, as Chris was referring to there. But I think that's a huge key of it, just knowing the athleticism and defensive prowess that he can bring, you know, if he's potentially limited or, or even out, you know, how does that change the equation for Villanova? Yeah, definitely. That is all I had on Oklahoma. Chris or Pat, you got anything else? I think I hit all my major points. Chris, anything else you want to go through? The, I think every, everybody everybody that follows this team on a game-by-game basis is all just, is this the Cam Whitmore game? Is this yeah. the Cam Whitmore game? I think that's going to be the question for every game we have remaining until he plays or until they make an announcement of an official timeline for him, mm. which I don't think they're going to do. I, um, I think just based on the fact that Coach Neptune isn't releasing his lineups until five minutes before the game, which is a little bit tricky for those of us that run a pregame show. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I, I just don't think he's going to give any opponent, uh, a, a tip of the hand on, on this being Cam Whitmore's first game. I would agree. The question is for those at Wells Fargo, does Cam Whitmore suit up for warmups? Cause that can at least give you a little bit more, um, yeah, Pat, you're going to have to be the, the inner guy there. You're going to have to keep us in the loop. Yeah, unless I'm still watching uh, USA Netherlands uh, beforehand. <laughs> but yeah, that, that'll be the goal. I'll see what I can do. All right, I think that that does it for Oklahoma. Then you want to move into the mailbag to wrap things up? Let's do it. All we got right. a good one today. We do have a good one. Yeah, so thank you to everyone um, for submitting their questions. And we're super excited to have Chris on um, to be able to do this as well. You know, just talking about Cam Whitmore and the will he play? Well, here's a Cam Whitmore won't he play type of question. This one comes in from John Palme, you know, basically setting the scene of, if things continue upon the way that they currently are with Villanova, with Nova really struggling here, is there a scenario where you can see either Cam or Justin not playing because they're trying to protect themselves for their draft stock? Curious to hear what you think, Chris. You can take this one first. I don't I don't see that happening for Justin Moore. Um, I think just out of I mean, a couple things. Number one, he's a he's a Villanova man through and through. Mm. I don't think I, I just don't I don't not you know I just don't think that he's like got got that in him. I guess oh, loyalty. Like, loyalty. There's a loyalty aspect to making a decision like that. That with a with a five star freshman who hasn't put the ball on the court yet, I, I can see not being all the way in enough to want to make that decision. And I wouldn't fault him for making that decision. In fact. Um, I don't I don't see Justin Moore making that decision for that reason alone. I also think that somebody coming off of an injury like the injury that Justin Moore sustained in the Elite Eight, um, there's there's sort of an element of feeling like he has something to prove. And yeah, he can wait until the NBA draft combine and and get plenty of top level competition in the the type of events that he would be doing in the in the run up to the NBA draft. Um, but I do think that he's going to want to put some some post-injury time on tape uh, before he heads into the draft. So I do not see Justin Moore. I think I'm a, a little afraid of uh, of Cam Whitmore making that decision because if think about it, if you were new to this organization and all you've heard about is this pedigree of this excellence and this winning, and then you've had the, the last couple of weeks that we've seen and just the kind of the media barrage of naysaying Villanova, I'm I'm 35 years old and it, it it you know it spooks me it rattles me right like uh imagine being an 18 year old uh an 18 year old person trying to deal with that like um it's definitely a fear but I have to think that he's here he wants to play ball he wants to he wants to put 
highlights on tape. So I'm going with the optimistic uh, take that there's just, there's just no way that happens. Yeah. I feel the same way. I think the fact that they stayed and Neptune was able to convince them to stay is a, is an ode to that too, Mm -hmm. to all three of the freshmen and Whitmore, especially. I think more loyalty is a big one too. So I'm confident that Nova's performance wouldn't sway either of their decisions in and of itself. Yeah, for I'm yeah aligned on that. For more, it's possible. But why I say it's possible, it's not because of loyalty. It's just if that Achilles doesn't heal the right way. We know how brutal Achilles injuries are, and listen, there are NBA guys that sometimes have to take two years between playing here. So if he doesn't come back, I will not be questioning that he just didn't want to play and wanted to shut it down. It's more that he just wasn't ready to go out there. And I think Justin Moore has most certainly earned the benefit of the doubt there. Whitmore is the interesting one because while I with you guys that I do think he will be out there. I think he came here for a reason. We've seen it happen a couple times over the last past couple of seasons where college players have sat out and they've done it to, to really protect that draft. So I can think of James Wiseman with the you know kind of disaster that happened down at Memphis, but he just pulled out and said, I'm not doing it anymore. Um, of course, there's a little bit more around that, but he, he didn't try and reclassify or anything and still ended up as a top pick with Golden State. I know it happened last year with Sharp too in Kentucky. It's, it's starting to pop up a little bit. So I, I don't say it's out of the realm of possibility, but I also don't think it's the route that they will go down. Agreed. And I think we all just want to believe that the character of individual that wants to come to Villanova exactly. is not the individual that's going to be like, I'm sitting out to just to purely protect myself, protect my draft stock, like as the sole reason. Villanova uh, wasn't the school for him, if that's the case. No, go right. to Duke or yeah. Kentucky in that way. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So, and that's not a bad kept, thing. It just no, is. I'll take my subtle shot yeah. at them. It's fine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, question comes in from Big Tasty. Uh, we love when we get questions from Big Tasty. In hindsight, and based on what we've seen so far, are you surprised Neptune wasn't more active in the transfer portal this offseason? That's a good question. Um I mean, Whitmore's injury happened so close to the season that there was nothing you could do to combat no. that. More is the injury that you harp on. I think it's a confidence boost for the players on the roster. And I think generally we expected this. Maybe we overhyped it a bit. But I think we expected Slater, Dixon, and Daniels to do enough from a scoring perspective that we wouldn't have the type of offensive issues that we're currently having I was I was certainly in that boat I did not think offense would be an issue and this actually makes me think of a uh, 440 tweet from the other day that I've been thinking about a lot they they paraphrasing basically said that having Gillespie and Moore and Samuels might have masked some of the developmental issues or barriers that some of the other guys were dealing with and we're only seeing this now because we don't have that star star on the Mm. team so i don't know if neptune in his first year is going to go against what jay had done for years and not really touch that transfer portal it would have been a big step i also wouldn't be surprised if in the future that becomes more of a place to tap into it uh it has to be um so that that's why i go if we go back to our basically season seven wrap up episode I know I said, I want to see Villanova hit the transfer portal and kind of adapt to how college basketball is changing a little bit. I think they need some help at the point guard position with Justin Moore. We definitely talked about point guard. Yeah. 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 So I I remember that specifically. And I think just as college basketball as a whole continues to evolve here, 
listen, I, I get it. We don't love the transfer portal. A lot of it seems like it's mercenary work with, with kids coming in based on the, the NIL and, and things like that, but it's just where things are going towards. And I would have liked to see Villanova use it this past off season to try and help really uh, fortify this roster. And I most certainly need to see them tap into it going forward. I know I feel very strongly about the portal, but um, that's where I go with it. One, one thing I wonder about the portal is, and I think eventually it's going to break. It's just which side of it breaks for Villanova. Yeah. But I think one, one Villanova has been among the, if not the most successful program at retaining right. players in the age of the portal and so part of me wonders if that only stays the case while they stay sort of out of dabbling in portal universe, mm. because once Villanova, the program says we're going shopping, does it, does it break that bond a little bit of the, the, the players who are so committed to the, to the program and the community and, and feeling like the program has their back by not dabbling in the portal if the program starts to act in the portal, does it sort of break that bond? I think no matter what, to to pat your point there, change is coming. Like yeah. the change is going to be forced. So whether it's players who who start to enter the portal because things are crowded at their position, or whether it's Nova goes shopping in the portal, I think eventually that bond is going to start to break a little bit as the as the game evolves into this new era of of transfer portal and NIL. But I. I do believe that that dynamic of the commitment to the players of not shopping in the portal is what has helped our retention to this point. And I think that coach Neptune is going to be really sensitive to that mm. as we think about shopping in the portal. But I think that's also going to be a, probably something we talk about with one of the other questions that's coming up about, yeah. you know, what is, what does our future look like? Mm-hmm. Now I, I love that point. Cause it's so true. Yes. It would upset the apple cart. And that's something that of course we know, they don't really like to happen on Villanova and with good thought behind it because things have been so steady and so stable and have built up so well. So it makes sense, you know, and they, they do take on a transfer every now and then, you know, you think of your Eric Pascal's, your Joe Cremos and Caleb Daniels, you know, over just the, the last couple of years in here. But I do wonder if Villanova mm-hmm. will have to take to it a little more aggressively. Uh, but 100%, it does change kind of that whole dynamic around progression and and what we see in terms of player development as well the other the other thing i want to throw in is i you know hindsight is 2020 but if you go back in time to april or may the priority was on retaining this awesome incoming freshman class you know yeah the portal was there and i think it was getting a decent amount of chatter at the time just as far as wishful thinking but the priority was on retaining this group which would they did 100 percent success um, with the, the lone exception being Brian Anton uh, going and mm-hmm. finding a, a different opportunity. Um, so not only did they retain the whole roster, but then they retained this this top rated incoming freshman class. And so, like, I, I don't think I, I don't think not going in the transfer portal this past year was a miss in any way. Um, well, let's you know, I, I, I don't have a crystal ball, but but that's going to be a different conversation uh, at the at the end of next spring, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. Question then comes in from Matt. Uh, it's an interesting one to look at. What would Villanova's record be right now if Jay Wright was still the coach? And he puts forward he thinks they'd be four and three. Yeah, I kind of liked his his first answer first was that they'd have one extra. Oh, one less game, game. right? Four and two. Right, one less yeah, game. yeah. That, that would work <laughs> we'll for us off the so docket, far. Right? Yeah. Yeah. This is definitely something that's been talked about. I actually think it is an extremely relevant and timely question because I think it's fair to wonder 
what the difference would be like between Neptune and, and right. And Pat and I have made it very clear that, and I think Chris has too, actually, this is not a Kyle Neptune slander club. We are not in no. that mix by any means. We are probably not even in that mix at the end of the season, regardless of how it all goes down, because one year is not fair to criticize after taking over the program that Villanova is. That being said, I don't know if I can point to a difference. Do you guys see one game like maybe Michigan State or Iowa State because they were so close? A coach puts you over the edge, maybe Temple too. But to be Oregon. honest with you, yeah. Oregon. Oregon's the only one I think maybe Jay coaches them up or 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 uh you know goes you know goes like rampage Jay on them and, and he yeah. loves that whips them up. Uh, just... and like the rebounding performances in his bad like maybe but no Emma you're I, I I sorry to cut you off but I couldn't be more violently in agreement with you that the record would be probably the exact same <laughs> it's just it's a boring answer but also it's kind of apples to oranges because the personnel is so different that the best coach in the country which is what Villanova had can't create a all-american point guard out of what he has on this current roster so it's hard to fault neptune too much for the two and five record i uh i'm very you know i think it's it's a-okay for people to be frustrated with where things are at with the team right now totally uh, i am just so not here for any kyle neptune nope. like blaming kyle neptune for this is like so just looking for a scapegoat where yes. one doesn't exist. Um, I, I think if you told me the day that Coach Wright surprisingly retired that we were going to be two and five with Coach Kyle Neptune, I there I'm I'm I would have been really mad thinking about that future. But like today, I'm like, there's no part of me that's like, oh, this is on this is on Coach. This is, we're down two starters. All bets are off. Yeah. I literally saw somebody somebody in the Twitterverse tweeted that today. You lose one starter, you can survive. You lose two starters, all bets are off. Yeah, you got to yeah. ride it out. It's simple as that. Like you know, like it, oh, I could talk to him blue in the face about not <laughs> not hanging this one on Neptune. Yeah, right. Like judge the full body of work. Let's see where we're at at the end of the season and and how things kind of ebb and flow throughout the year. But after you know seven games, it's just like kind of ridiculous. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, it is. And look at us being boring, because I agree. I, I think they're probably at the same spot, maybe a game better, but I wouldn't go there because I think what people are still losing sight of when they think of this, this is still the roster that Jay Wright built and Kyle Neptune right. kept it together. So let's not go all in on Kyle Neptune and rip him apart with this is what this is Jay Wright's roster still. Yes, Kyle Neptune recruited a bunch of these guys that are here, but and had to re-recruit the other ones that weren't here. Um, but I that's why I'm firmly against any Neptune. Um or anything have, further on Neptune. You have to wonder what the criticism would have been like for Jay Wright if he was still here. <laughs> Can't that's imagine a, it would have been pretty. That's a question <laughs> we can dig Jay in Wright on another day. Yeah, I think the, yeah, the five starters getting, you know, 35, averaging 35 minutes a game each probably would have, uh, probably the Jay Wright conversation would have been like, why haven't we seen Brendan Howe? Exactly. Why is exactly. red shirt? Like, <laughs> why has Mark Armstrong why, played three minutes this season? <laughs> that's why I'm so in the boat of giving him credit, actually, because I think we've started to break those bonds, and it's been really, really good. Yeah. All right. We've got two left, and let, let's uh, move through them here. This one comes in from Vega. Where do you see our biggest need being for 23-24? Chris, I know you're excited Chris, about yeah, this question. Yeah, you're, yeah. So, you're gone. We're going to give you the floor here. <laughs> oh, man. Um, 
so there's a lot of different ways that this can shake out. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, you have, you have another year of Eric Dixon availability, eligibility after this one. Um, does he exercise it? Does he not? I, I don't, I don't know if we're there yet. Um, but I think the biggest concern is with scoring, right? You have to yep. figure if we see Cam Whitmore back on the floor soon and stay healthy throughout the season, Cam Whitmore is as, as, uh, highest probability of a one and done as Nova's had since Tim Thomas was a one and done. Right. Um, so, so my biggest concern, short answer is, is like scoring. Who's going to, who's going to score the rock because Justin Moore is going to be gone. Brandon Slater is going to be gone. Caleb Daniels is going to be gone. Uh, Cam Whitmore, possibly a one and done. Yeah. You got a lot of these guys that are getting experience, but you've had this staff, unfortunately strike out on the recruiting trail for the most part to date, uh, landing their first recruit, Recently, who I know we all got excited about who that person was being recruited by, I think it's, it is it is cause for alarm about what the pipeline looks like, brings in conversation about transfer portal and all the wild cards that are there. I think you're, you're of a real, uh, you have a real concern over who's putting the ball through the hoop in 23 to 24 if things shake out as idealistically for the players as you want them to, right? You want Cam Whitmore to perform well enough to be a one and done if that's what he believes is in his future. I don't want to hold him back from that. Um, but the short answer is uh, if scoring has been a problem through the first couple of weeks of the season, it is my biggest concern for 2023 to 2024 if I'm looking out into the future. Amen. That is also mine <laughs> as well. Uh, it's, yeah. it's scoring. And for me, it's scoring on the wing because as we look, it's being able to bring in a guy you know, in that I say like Jermaine Samuels like build a guy that can kind of bully himself inside, but also try to make a, a bit of an impact on the outside. It's what Cam Whitmore is supposed to fill on this team. That is where I want to look and say, where's it coming from? Because I like Jordan Longino. We haven't seen enough from him on the offensive side of the ball to say, okay, I expect him to be able to do that. This team's going to need some versatility. I, I think that's what we're seeing, especially on defense where they're struggling a little bit with the switches and such. I, and I just, I wonder where it's coming from. And that's why I'm so adamant on the transfer portal because I think they might just have to hit it to do it. But I totally agree. It's going to be scoring. And for me to even go a little further, it's scoring from a wing. Nobody mentioned Arch too. He's gone. And I understand I think he's that got maybe... another year. I think he's got another year. Did he redshirt? Everyone has a Oh, the year. extra year. That's mm -hmm. right. Yeah, no, don't, okay, that don't makes, say it yet. That makes my... <laughs> I was going to say... I don't expect people to be crying about Arch, but that's 30 minutes of play that he's been averaging basically over the last two seasons. So I, when it comes I to literally bodies how, on the cart. I feel bad about how much Arch has just been in the conversation. Like what a polarizing topic it's been. Mm -hmm. It's like one of the weirdest things about our fan base right now is this like Arch slander, but then he, you know, he's like one game, he had 10 rebounds. In in all of the games where they've been able to come back and cut these deficits, he's made big buckets to mm -hmm. put them in that position late. So um, I think while some of the arch criticisms are very warranted, especially with the number of minutes that he's getting per game, um, it's hard it's hard for me to say anything other than uh, you know I'll ride with that guy given the chance because he's he you know sort of embodies the uh, the attitude points. You know what I mean? Totally he played well against Oregon. He did. Yeah, Demo certainly did. That and, said, if I yep. next year he's playing thirty minutes a game again, I think we're going to be in probably some <laughs> some hot. Water. I I would agree with that. And finally, we 
finish off with a question from Jack McCall. How did you balance having Villanova basketball, the World Cup, and an NFL Sunday this weekend? Didn't realize NFL Sunday was in the mix, too. I said it about Thanksgiving. I didn't love Nova on a Sunday afternoon either. It's been a while. It felt like a while since that had happened. It just felt like my mind was being pulled in a lot of different directions. I love having Sunday just for football. I got to tell you with the Giants playing on Thursday, I did not watch like any oh, NFL on Sunday. True. I was, I was all world cup um, and then all in on Nova basketball. So NFL got kicked to the curb for me. And even if the Giants played Nova basketball is my number one priority. And uh, I'm kind of a world cup addict at this point. So I'm not sure that they would have the, yeah, the Giants would have been on, but uh, I love me some world. I cup. think Nova kind of let Nova kind of let people off the hook a little bit. Uh, obviously you didn't want them to lose on Thursday against Iowa state, mm. but by going into the relegation bracket, I do think, unfortunately it gave a lot of fans, the sort of the, almost the subtle permission to go about their holiday weekend. Yeah. Um, as so I don't know about you guys, but I noticed the like chatter on Twitter was drastically reduced for mm-hmm. from Thursday to Friday. And then crazy reduced on Sunday while what was going on with Oregon was going on. So it would have been a more interesting proposition if Nova had notched the win against either Michigan state before PK 85, or if they were able to pull it out against Iowa state, it would have been a, this question would have been a much more interesting proposition, but something happened to me on Sunday that I could have never in my wildest dreams predicted, even just like six months ago, <laughs> I had the New York Jets on my my primary TV one, and I had the I had the Villanova Wildcats on my wow. my two. And, and on Sunday, this is on Sunday. This is on Sunday on Oregon. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I was sitting there, and I I was like, I almost like felt bad. I was like, I run a Villanova pregame show, <laughs> and I I have I have done second. I have gone secondary. So I did Emma to your question. I did switch them back because at the end of the day, I'm, I'm trying to look for like the player development and, and, and things to sort of be optimistic about and threads that we can kind of improve upon. Um, but the, the, Oh man, the offensive rebounding uh, for yeah. Oregon Sunday well, made it really hard to like prioritize Nova as highly in that rotation. But uh, I, I am blessed with, uh, with two TVs in the, in the basement situation. So it wasn't, so it wasn't too, too, too. Yeah. That's admirable. I meant switching too in that Villanova lost and the Jets won. How many times has that happened? That's me. Um, literally, <laughs> Not many. like I don't even know if it has happened in the <laughs> last decade where I've been, I've gone to, you know, started my week happy about the <laughs> the Jets and unhappy about Villanova. Yeah. Wow. Hey, we can only hope that Cam Whitmore is this team's Mike White. That's all I can say about it. At this oh, point. no. Mike <laughs> drop. That's what a it. <laughs> what a comparison. Oh, I thought you'd appreciate just, that. I just want that. I just want to see that announcement so bad that Cam Whitmore is sitting up We're on all Saturday. hoping for it. Let's let's what hope a, for it on Saturday. What a breath of what a breath of fresh air that'll be for us all if we can see that going into Saturday. Yeah. yeah. Chris, before we finish, too, uh prediction for Saturday. Oh, wow. It's so I mean, I've been yeah, I've been I've been I've been so off on my predictions that because I think it's just I'm so hopeful for a win. Like I can't like I can't mentally get to a place where I'm like, oh, Oklahoma's my prediction is Oklahoma's going to win on Saturday because mm-hmm. I know that that'll just make me so, so sad. Like I can't separate those two things. Mm-hmm. So 
so my my prediction, my if you're asking for a real prediction, I think the Cats are coming back from a really tough road, like true road trip, as far away as far away of a game as you can play in re, in reality for them, and a really tough weekend. And they've had a week to sort of rest and coach and and practice it off. They're going to have a, a big uh, a big home game. I think Coach Neptune's going to get Nova up, and they're going to scratch this one out. Um, especially given that Oklahoma's not a scoring high scoring team either. Um, I, I, my my prediction is that Nova writes the ship, in part because if they don't, um, think you know times are just going to get tougher for for the fan base. Yeah, I was listening to our Tuesday episode, Pat, too, and I really like the point you made about how this team has started to press because there is so much pressure and this is so Mm -hmm. foreign for Villanova to be playing the way that they're currently playing. If there's one atmosphere, you can think that the pressure would be lifted and they wouldn't have to press. It's at Wells Fargo on a Saturday at noon, right? Like give the guys the crowd that they've been hoping for after a huge road trip, after a ton of tough, either neutral or away games against really good teams, give them Oklahoma at home at Wells Fargo after USA is hopefully won. Yes. It's, it's kind of storybook. It's kind of storybook for the beginning of the season. There, there will be more than about the 10 people um, that were at the oh my God, Villanova bad. games at the PK high. Uh, and actually yeah. most of the games too, not just Villanova um, at Wells Fargo uh, on Saturday. I will be one of them. Um, so shout out to, uh, to Jerry Quinn and to Conrad who I'm going with. I cannot wait um, for, as you look at for this team, I expect a reaction out of this team. They have, they've gone through now a week between games where listen, they know they're getting drilled right now. Uh, they, they know that things haven't been where they're expected to be. They know this fan base is on edge. I expect to see them come out and come out with a lot of emotion and a lot of intensity on Saturday, being at home and being at Wells Fargo. You're talking to the guy right now that has picked Nova to lose like their last three games. I will not be picking them to lose a fourth in a row. I, I think that they they do find a way to sneak this thing out on Saturday, though it's going to be a grind. Do not expect this thing to be pretty with how yeah. solid Oklahoma is on defense um, and some of the struggles we have seen, but I just can't bring myself to say they're going to lose another one there. I'll give you a score because you two won't. Villanova <laughs> 64, Oklahoma 62. If that is the indeed the final score, you're Pat. You were right. That is, that is going to be. I mean, I think winning cures all, but that is going to be an absolute stress ball from from. from, <laughs> from There's no other way. That There's pretty no much. That's the way this team would do it if they do it. So let's hope so. Before we wrap up, though, Chris, thank you so much for for coming on here. If you just want to reiterate, you know, when when the next time you'll be live with Tip Time and where the people can find you on Twitter. Yeah, indeed. I thanks, Pat. I will be uh, Villanova Tip Time. You can find me uh, at Nova Tip Time on Twitter. I do the show on YouTube. If you follow uh, my Twitter, if you're in the Villanova Twitter sphere, chances are you'll see a tweet with the YouTube link in the 24 hours leading up to the game, and probably many of them. Um, again, I'll be off this Saturday, and then I'll be on for every game for the rest of the De- December slate, starting with uh, Tuesday against Penn. Uh, and hopefully that pregame show will be a little bit more joyous coming off of a win uh, because if it's coming off of a loss, uh, I just, I can't even, I don't even want to, I don't even want to fathom it, but uh, 
Yeah. Um, big, big time go caps energy for this weekend. And and thank you both so much for having me on. Like I said, yeah. I'm the biggest fan of what you guys do here. I'm the biggest fan of VU hoops, the VU hoops pregame or the VU hoops preview for every game has been required reading for me for well over a decade. Um, uh, I don't think there's been a single person that I've seen affiliated with VU hoops who I haven't enjoyed following, sort of following their coverage, but, um, thank you both so much for having me on. I'm hoping, hopeful, hopeful that we'll be able to, uh, do some more content collaboration in the future because I, I, I love, love talking to you both. Oh, thank you, Chris. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. And a big shout out to everyone at VU hoops. We just do the talking, um, that do so <laughs> much writing on the site and put out such incredible content. So to Chris's point, go check it out because it certainly gets you ready, but all right, that'll do it for us here on the state of the Nova nation podcast presented by VU hoops. Be sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes, follow us on Spotify and follow us on Twitter at S O N N pod. We will be back at it on Tuesday. Get ready for a big Saturday at Wells Fargo, everybody. Go Team USA. Have a great weekend. Nova Nation. That's a wrap.